In this episode, we discuss Untitled Kevin James Animal Pratfall Project. Okay, it's called Zookeeper. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot Kalin in the number two spot. And I'm Hallie Hagland in the number three spot. (laughs) So that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, Hallie. You may have noticed she doesn't sound like Stuart, our usual co-host. Hey, dudes. Pretty (laughs) pretty, good. Pretty good, Stuart. Dan, why isn't Stuart with us today? Uh, Well, he just got married. So I assume even though he got married on Sunday, which was four days ago, yeah. That he is still consummating his marriage. Yeah, well, he is a dynamo. He's a sexual dynamo. If there's one thing that we know about Stuart. Yeah, it's a sexamo. Uh, but, a kokomo, if you will. Yeah, uh, but... Uh, that doesn't exist. Oh, you're right. Well, no, there, there's a kokomo. But it's in it's in Indiana. It's not a tropical Is that isle. where the Beach Boys were singing about? Kokomo, Indiana? Were... Yeah. <laughs> tropical breeze? Is it an island on a lake? No, I... Uh, Actually, it just seems weird they would say Bermuda, Bahamas. Is it just their lake house the that they named Kokomo? No, I, I appeared in a Shakespeare in the Park production in Kokomo, Indiana. What, so what, what play? It, what play was that? Like, uh, Twelfth Night. Who were you? No, no, but what would what did you do the first were 11 nights? Were you Viola? <laughs> I played Fabian, my friend, the director, <laughs> the directress. Uh, she the needed someone star. to step in uh, because... That is so condescending to call it the directress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on. I'm glad we it's... have a woman on the show today to slap you two around. Oh, boy. So that's what we're going to be dealing with today, audience, is Hallie yeah. Hagland, the uh, feminist activist. So, Stu- yeah, Stuart, um, Stuart is you know basking in his wedded bliss. Which is lovely. But uh, what are, you, are you coming on to his wife? Is that what's happening? No, so. his wedded bliss is lovely. His wife is hideous. Okay. I'm just kidding. She's a beautiful woman. And it was a, wonder- and it was a wonderful wedding. Uh, it was the gayest wedding I've ever been to, and I've been to several gay weddings. Yeah. I feel like we should talk about it, but I feel we we probably should save should that. we wait for Stuart to For come Stuart back? to okay. return. So well, instead, fans, so, get, so you'll have to bide your time to hear the steamy secrets of the Stuart Wellington nuptials. Yeah. In lieu of tales And sorry, of, ladies, Stuart Wellington's off the market. Yeah. Sorry, Hallie. I've, ne- I've never met this. Sorry, story. Hallie. <laughs> and so uh, let's introduce our guest host yeah, for tonight. In, in lieu of Tales of Stuart's Wedding, Hallie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? That is one of the lamer <laughs> horror comics, <laughs> Tales of Stuart's Wedding. <laughs> Whale boys and ghouls. <laughs> well, they I went would... to Porta Shrieko. <laughs> <laughs> and wore Tux Shriekos. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay. Maybe took screamos. They did all, all wear. They did all wear. I think it's important. I think you can at least tease the stories to have everyone know that you guys wore um, tuxedo speedos. Well, I no, didn't. I, I did. Dan did. This is actually something that's Elliot been covered refused. on the show before. If you go to the Flophouse wiki, someone oh. has already put in an entry for tuxedo speedos. Oh, okay. And we'll get to the Flophouse wiki, my friend. Oh, okay. We Excellent. will get there. Uh, but let's introduce our co-host, Hallie Hagland. Ms. Hallie Hagland. Hi. Say something about who you are. <laughs> I work with Dan and Elliot 
and I share an office with Elliot, and we all hang out sometimes and just joke around and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh just yeah, have have a lot of laughs. So finally, we have a flop house that's all writers for the Daily Show. Yeah. I guess we had that once before when Wyatt was here. Well, I wasn't. I had not gotten a job. Oh, that's right. You weren't a writer yet. We finally replaced all the nine writers on the on the of the Daily Show on the Flop House with writers for the Daily Show. So, Hallie, you uh, you 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 teased this a moment ago, but uh, you share an office with Elliot. Yes. Which is to the point because uh, what point? uh, You know, you may think that you're here to talk about a bad movie, but actually, I brought you here to tell embarrassing stories about what it's like to share an office with Elliot. Uh, when he's eating barbecue, he asks me if it's okay if he takes his shirt off because he doesn't want to get <laughs> stains on his shirt. Well, I, I wear an undershirt. It's not like I'm sitting in my office naked from the waist up eating barbecue. <laughs> One time he farted and he said, excuse me, I farted. I didn't think it would smell this bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. It happened. <laughs> I know wow. that, and and also once I was so mad that I slammed my phone down so hard oh, it broke. And he broke it, yeah. Well, he didn't slam it so hard. It didn't break on the first time. He just slammed it down and then slammed it over and over <laughs> and over again down. I'm, and that's what broke it. Yeah, no, I'm gratified by any tale of Elliot uh, misbehaving at work because it makes me feel better about my own moodiness. Yeah, oh yeah, you're a real troublemaker at work. <laughs> what with your being quiet and sitting in the corner. <laughs> and, and always remaining so... Yeah, I, I mean, Elliot's got some serious rage issues. Yeah, well, I, I you it's know, true. I'm grumpy. I'm grumpy. I'm not angry. That's yeah, the if, difference. I, if we were dwarves, you'd be grumpy, and I'd be angry. Who's not really a dwarf? Mm-hmm. And Hallie would be girly, the I'm, girl dwarf. No, <laughs> that sucks. Again, I'm taking you to task for your sexism. So, what dwarf would you be? I get grumpy too. You can't have two grumpies. Yeah, Every dwarf needs a separate cool. personality. I'm cool dwarf. <laughs> that Whoa. would be Stuart, and he's not here. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> well, you guys get to you. Got, what should I be? I don't know. Um, I mean, I already suggested girly. You didn't want to be that delightful dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you can be sneezy. We can all agree no! that you're sneezy. I do sneeze sometimes, <laughs> just to get attention, though, because <laughs> I'm so lonely. Because no one will give me a real name. <laughs> So should we? It's like a Munchausen by proxy situation, except for you're 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 actually I'm just poisoning pretending myself. You're poisoning yourself. So should we talk about the movie we watched? <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> it really wasn't. I'm not sure if it's worth mentioning. It is not. It never is. Uh, Dan, what movie did we watch tonight? We watched a movie called Zookeeper. Not the Zookeeper. No, just Zookeeper. It's because it, it sounds weird to have a title that's Zookeeper and not the Zookeeper. Because the movie's about a zookeeper, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Prince. Well, it's about it's really about the <laughs> occupation of zookeeper. It's really about what uh, it I is see. to then be a zookeeper. Should it be called zookeeping? <laughs> it should be called zookeeping for dummies. And who was the star of this film? Miss Mr. K- Miss <laughs> Again. <laughs> Miss Kavina James. <laughs> Mr. Kevin James, uh, star of Paul Blart Mall Cop, which was a previous Flophouse. Yeah, film. Well, you weren't there for that. I missed that one. Brock sat in for me. Yeah. Brock Mayhan. Your counterpart. Um, yeah. My, I like to call him the Gentile Ellie Kalen. Actually, Dan McCoy is the Gentile Ellie Kalen. Yeah, I'm the gentle Ellie Kalen. Yes. My You're... healing touch. It's <laughs> <laughs> creepy. Uh, so, Zookeeper, should I mention briefly what the plot is? Sure, why not? Zookeeper stars... Don't be fooled by the summary on um, on demand because it's inaccurate. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Uh, 
It stars Kevin James, who you may know as the unelected king of queens. <laughs> he was deigned by God to be uh, – or named by God to be the king of queens. Well, in his this, father was the king of queens, so it only made sense. <laughs> <laughs> he, so he, he inherited the title. Yeah. Uh, Kevin James is a zookeeper in Boston. I don't know if they actually have a zoo in Boston, but they do in the movie. Um, he, I'm sure. They must have. They have zoos everywhere. It, not everywhere. I mean, they have more than one zoo in New York. They have, what, two? They have the Bronx Zoo, no, no, the Brooklyn three. Zoo, the one in Central Park. Central Park Zoo. Brooklyn Zoo? You mean the Prospect Park Zoo? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's three. It's pretty good. I mean, I don't know why you have to fight her on this. <laughs> she said they have zoos everywhere. I it's mean, like, not in this apartment. Where are... Uh, I mean, there's a cat Dan, here. you're from the smallest town. Do they have zoos in Eureka? Uh, the smallest town? <laughs> you're in the smallest town in the country, Eureka, <laughs> Illinois. Uh, no, we, we don't have a zoo there. There's one in Peoria, which is uh, half an hour away. Fascinating. Anyway, Kevin James plays <laughs> the zookeeper. If you're wondering whether zoos will play in Peoria, <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> So if anyone wants to open a zoo in Peoria, Mm -hmm. there is a customer base, but you will will have competition. There's already an established zoo there. So Kevin James is a zookeeper in Boston. Uh, We open with him riding horseback on the beach with his girlfriend. Ms. Leslie Bibb. Leslie Bibb. Lovely. Even lovelier than his wife in King of Queens. It makes even less sense in the King of Queens that he would be with this woman. <laughs> and her, Leslie Bibb, heiress to the Bibb lettuce fortune. <laughs> and he proposes to her in to a very – baby Bibb fortune. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird because you know she got that name because she probably dribbles food down her, the front of her body all the time. But we don't see it in the movie. They must have had a Bibb handler. <laughs> so Leslie Bibb is his girlfriend and he proposes to her – on the beach, she says no. It turns out she doesn't want to marry a zookeeper. <laughs> this is the first instance of anti-zookeeping bigotry we will see from Leslie Bibb throughout the movie. Uh, he's heartbroken. Cut to five years later. He's still a zookeeper. He talks to all the animals. <laughs> Wait a minute. He hasn't learned his lesson? He hasn't learned his lesson. Still a zookeeper. Okay. Still loves his job, which was his main failing. And And has a co-worker. Rosario Dawson. His coworker Rosario Dawson, who's a zoo doctor, uh, who for some reason he doesn't seem to so, realize. So doc- doctress would not be the appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the old there's the old riddle about the lion that's in a car accident, right? And and the doctor says, "I can't operate on this lion. It's my son." Uh-huh. And it turns out that the doctor is also a lion. So, so it's a riddle. How did this lion get through med- medical school? I mean, there's a lot of backstory. He probably just put on a polo shirt. <laughs> yeah. And said it was a costume. This movie shows that. If you that, saw this movie, you'd get that joke. Well, I'll get to that oh, yeah, point. We'll get there. Uh, basically, Rosario, his co worker is Rosario Dawson, who he doesn't seem to realize is more beautiful than Leslie Bibb. Uh, and, and way nicer and, and loves less, him for his what he actually loves to do. Yeah, and likes zoos and animals. Yeah. And she got an offer from, she says, to go to be – she goes, I'm, I got an offer to be at a zoo in Nairobi in Africa, <laughs> which is for the audience if, in case they don't know where Nairobi is. Which well, I think is fair because well, most of the audience is like four years old. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but he talks to all the animals at the zoo. The animals seem to love him. He's trying to cheer up a depressed gorilla that lives in a basement. Mm-hmm. But he just can't seem to get that gorilla happy. He gets him a big tire. <laughs> that doesn't do it. He makes him popcorn. <laughs> he gets him like a big giant wiffle golf ball that he suspends from the ceiling. That doesn't do it either. So, but 
Kevin James's brother is getting married, and okay. they have a big party to celebrate it at the zoo. And also- I hear that it's all happening at the zoo. Now I do believe it. I do believe that's true. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a joke about a false sign. Yeah, you can't see, but I'm glaring at Dan right now. <laughs> Dan likes to state the lyrics of songs <laughs> as if that's a joke. <laughs> and I do it too, but. When I do it, I don't get mad at myself. <laughs> That's the main difference because I'm a hypocrite. Um, Kevin James gives a very touching speech about porcupines at the at a party at the zoo for his brother's wedding until he sees that his ex-girlfriend Leslie Bibb is there. Bum, bum, bum. And he starts babbling. He can't talk. Because apparently she was friends with his wife's – With his with future his daughter and sister-in-law. Yeah, yeah. With his brother's fiance. Yeah. And he goes, uh-oh. He's he's tongue-tied around her. He wants her back. And the animals at the zoo say, we're going to help him. How can they do that? Because animals talk. Now, mm-hmm. do the animals have a secret animal language that only animals know? No. Well, does, English. <laughs> does Kevin James like get hit on the head and suddenly he can hear animals and understand what they mean? No. Now, does he read a book that tells him how to talk to animals? No. Do the animals teach him like a cert- special code, like they'll like – a sign language or some kind of, you know, emotional-based language? No. So how does he talk to the animals? He just starts talking to them. (laughs) It turns out all animals can talk in perfect English. It turns they were always holding back in in stressful situations, but then uh, at one moment, it was too stressful, (laughs) and a lion just started talking to Kevin James. In the voice of Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) I mean, this also raises a good point. I mean, not only that, like, why haven't animals talked before, but, like, apparently they all talk... English, I guess, because they're American animals. I mean, yeah, I mean, we speak they, English here, but they come from different countries. I assume. I mean, they, these, are, these are all like wild uh, animals from. Some of the animals had a little bit of an accent. Okay, <laughs> but uh, maybe, I mean, maybe you've got a natural it. facility for languages in animals. But here's the thing: if animals can animals talk, animals are like sponges. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Especially you can the wash a car the with sponges, them. The sponge is very much like a sponge yeah. of the animal kingdom. <laughs> the sponge is really the sponge of the animals. In the same way a wolf is the wolf of the animals. <laughs> and the echidna is the echidna of the animals. Here's what the dilemma this movie – or the question this movie raised to me. Animals are imprisoned in zoos. Mm-hmm. They're routinely shot and killed for sport and people eat them or keep them as pets and demean them. Why don't the animals talk? There's one point where an animal says like – we can always talk, but we don't do it because you, you humans can't handle it. It's like, well, maybe if you talked, we wouldn't kill you so much. Like, yeah. Thank you for going out of our out of yeah. your way to protect our emotions. And, <laughs> but you, you know why the humans can't handle it is because you talk so rarely. If you talked all, <laughs> all the, the time, time yeah. I think humans would get used to it. You know, as a lion cub, I was ripped from my mother's womb, and then they <laughs> shot her to death. Then I was taken and raised by humans in a... 10 foot by 10 foot enclosure and humans gawk at me and throw peanuts at me and I'm going to die here. And we'd probably feel a lot worse about doing that. We'd probably think differently about animals if, the animals if they were talk. talking to us it's, all the time. It's like my mother was killed and I live here in a zoo and I hate it. But you know what? I don't want to stress out these humans. Let's not inconvenience <laughs> them for a moment. I just won't talk ever. Yeah. So anyway, but the animals decide they're going to help him win his love back. He, they, but the thing is, I don't get that because it seemed like at first they were kind of worried that she and he were still interested in each other because they knew that he would leave the zoo if they yeah, got together. Since she hates zookeepers. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't well the common hatred of zookeepers that all women share. 
<laughs> the one career path that women are like, this is this is a dead end. You are a, you are a slob. And you're like, oh, caring for all these animals. Oh, if there's one thing I hate. It's a man who can show love for animals. Because <laughs> women hate animals. Yeah. yeah. Well, zoo, becoming a zookeeper is a lot like becoming one of the the Night Watch or whatever they're called, the Wall Watchers in the Game of Thrones mm. series. You just say goodbye to your family, to the idea right. of children or women. You are just in the brotherhood of zookeepers now. Yeah. The zoo is your family now. <laughs> Uh, so the animals decide they're going to teach him the animal ways of becoming – of mating with people. And all the animals talk in like sassy ways. Like they're all really sassy. But – so like the bears – They're all basically just trying to imitate black people. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be – as I was saying when we were watching the movie, it could be seen as kind of racist that the animals all have these very ethnic accents. And it's like, yep. Ethnic people are like animals, and white people like Kevin James are humans. Mm-hmm. But uh, and the ethnic people are just there to help the whites. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's you know it's like Matt, you know Bagger Vance or something. But uh, but an animal version. I'm not mm-hmm. calling Bagger Vance an animal, except for a golf animal. Mm-hmm. Just a guy. Who <laughs> the loves... original golf animal. <laughs> uh, but most of the lessons that Kevin James gets taught a make him <laughs> animal. <laughs> a golf animal. Okay. <laughs> Ganimal, <laughs> a golf. It's, it's like Manimal, but he also plays golf yeah, in his off time. Terrible television show. <laughs> it's a man who can turn into an animal that can also play golf, <laughs> or a man who can turn into a golf club. I guess I don't know why animal is in the title, but uh, he. The ways they teach him how to act like an animal mainly make him look stupid in front of other people. Like the bears teach him to walk around and yell a lot. And a wolf teaches him to pee on things mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Which and, le- like, a bullfrog teaches him to squat and, and blow up his up. neck. But he has to be a total fucking idiot to, like, <laughs> think that these are going to be effective. To apply these lessons in actual life. Which I mean, he does. he's at, he, yeah, he's at uh, the, the what is it, the engagement, the second engagement party? <laughs> they, this wedding has a lot of events. <laughs> yeah. There's... A big party at the zoo. Then there's a banquet party. There's then, a party at the restaurant where he pees in the potted plant. He pees in the potted plant, and the maitre d' says, Sir, do you not see there's a bathroom 20 feet away? And he goes, Yeah, well, I do. Whatever. And, and the guy and the manager's like, Maitre d' is like, All right. Well, and that, and enjoy, that was enjoy just your to night. clarify. That was because the the wolf had just taught him to pee, and he that was like a way of drawing I mean, this Leslie Bibb to him. And also, a, he does a, this in a room full of people in a restaurant. No one seems to care or notice. This is a, this is a catered event, guys. Like, the customer is always <laughs> right in this situation. I don't think so. It's not like he did it in, a, in the middle of an actual, like, just regular restaurant. You know, like, these are, these are people who've been hired. To attend your every whim. And so this. when you hire caterers or you rent at a room restaurant, it's just anything goes? Yeah, sometimes I hire caterers just to pee in front of them. <laughs> really? <laughs> just to show my, to assert my dominance. <laughs> like, you've got to sit here and watch this. <laughs> I'm paying you. You're going to see me pee. But theoretically, wouldn't all the caterers then fall in love with you? I mean, mm. according to the wolf's lesson. No, because it doesn't work quite right. Also, his it turns out Leslie Bibb has a boyfriend, the puffy Joe Rogan, who is super competitive. He kind of looked like uh, Boris from Bull- Rocky and Bowling Ball. <laughs> like his face is so fucked up now. 
<laughs> Joe Rogan. Yeah, I mean, you know, Joe Rogan, you know, let's not. Are you afraid he's listening? I, just don't, I mean, I don't want to attack <laughs> him needlessly. I mean, I enjoyed him in uh, news radio. You know, he seems like a. He was a great news radio. He was much better looking then. Frankly, Fine. he's not bad here. Like, he's yeah. playing the part of, like, no, he's the over-aggressive jerk, and he does it well. But uh, he, he, his face has puffed up significantly. Yeah, I, at first I thought. I had misidentified someone as Joe Rogan, but it turned out to be Joe Rogan. As I, as I said as we were watching, he looks like a villain in a Guy Ritchie movie now. <laughs> <laughs> like he's got that gin-soaked sort of face. Yeah. Um, he should be hiring Jason Statham to rob a bank. Yeah. Uh, so it but turned, not bad. These, these animal rules are not really working so well uh, until... The and but in the meantime, he's like pretending to go out with Rosario Dawson at the actual wedding. They have a good time together, but he get he calls. Oh, I forgot to say also that he took the gorilla to TGI Fridays. But uh, <laughs> well, that's a very pivotal that a, scene. That's a pivotal. But I think he, we should. I should. We should. We should return to that because that okay. is a key moment. He uh, the lion tells him on the phone <laughs> that he should alternate being a jerk or a nice guy to Leslie Bibb. Mm-hmm. I missed that scene. I thought he was really just acting crazy. No, the lion told him to do that. Oh, okay. So he does that. He does act crazy. He comes off as a total asshole, but Leslie Bibb loves it. He just he starts changing into a different person. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's less the secret and more like he's just like an erratic sort of drug addict all of a sudden or something. Yeah, he suddenly starts insulting everybody. <laughs> he changes his personality from moment to moment. He says things that don't make sense. And he quits his job at the zoo and takes up at his brother's luxury car dealership. Oh, wait, but I have a question again about the uh, the scene at the wedding. Yeah. Remember when he called her Hammer Thumbs? Yeah. Was that a reference to something that happened earlier in the movie? Or were we just supposed to know that she was really self-conscious about her thumbs? He was just being needlessly cruel to her. He was just thinking of insults. And that was the only thing he could insult. She was she's holding something gorgeous. at the time. Yeah. So I think he was like, oh, I'm seeing your thumbs. Hammer thumbs. This is after he's had a lot of fun with Rosario Dawson uh, swinging around on Cirque du Soleil banners <laughs> at the wedding, <laughs> uh, which involved him smashing into the bride eventually and an ice sculpture. And his brother's like, no, the bride's fine. It's like this huge man <laughs> like slammed into her legs. Yeah. But uh, I guess it's a, it's a, basically a cartoon, this movie. So at this point, Kevin James has become insane and is very erratic and talks in a weird way and dresses in like a black suit and we were saying that while we were watching it like they must have cut out a scene where he's just sniffing he's just snorting so much coke up his <laughs> nose rails of coke he basically turns into a coke addict like it's the scene what is it is it carlito's way where Sean Penn just sticks his head in like a huge <laughs> mound of coke like that's what i imagine um long, this is a family film so they can't show that long story just short imply it. Kevin James goes to the zoo. He's already working at his brother's car dealership. Yeah. Goes to and, the zoo. It must have been for like some time. A, at least a day. Because he's already established that like he's the shark at the car dealership. Like he makes all the deals. And he uses the things the animals taught him to like be the alpha male at the car dealership. But he goes to the zoo and he says to Rosario Dawson, I would want you to be the first one to know I'm leaving the zoo. Now he's already in a suit <laughs> having just come from work. So yeah, Hallie, like, did he just tell, keep calling him sick every day? Hallie or? pointed out that the, 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 the timeline of this is very fucked up because he, we see him making like real shark deals yeah, at the, at the car dealership. And then he shows up back at the, the, the zoo saying like, oh, I'm sorry that uh, I, you know, like I haven't told you I'm going to leave. And then, but then 
he goes he, home. He goes home to Leslie Bibb. They've apparently been living together for like a <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, they have like a well-established life. You know, they're talking about their plans. They have <laughs> bought furniture together. Yeah. Apparently, they live together. Yeah. And then it's and- like it's it's almost like the only way it could be more extreme is if he showed up at work and was like, "By the way, guys, I'm quitting my job," and then turned to Leslie Bibb and was like, "Let's go buy grave plots." You know, <laughs> we're married now, right? <laughs> Well, then later on in the movie, not to jump too far ahead, but when, once he realizes the error of his ways, he returns to uh, the zoo, and he's still wearing a zoo uniform, and apparently he still has this job. I don't know how. But, but the security guard is like, hey, what are you doing over there? You're not supposed to be over there. So it's like he got dressed up in his old uniform. Oh, wait, was he saying work. you weren't supposed to be there because he didn't work there anymore? That's what or I just I thought it was just because like... it was like an area you yeah. weren't supposed to be in. But Which is weird because it was the parking lot. Like, <laughs> he, it's like fine for him to go in the cages of the wild animals, but That's the, the parking lot is off limits. The animals are just have the run of the place. They can leave their enclosures whenever they want, basically. It's like a Montessori zoo. <laughs> like, it's just very easy for them to get out. And Kevin James just walks around with them all the time. But, uh... Long story short, he realizes – Kevin James realizes this isn't the person I want to be. Mm-hmm. Leslie Bibb proposes to him, and he turns her down, gives a speech about how this is, isn't the person I want to be. Gives the same speech that he gave to her five years – or gives the same speech that she gave to him five years ago when she rejected him on the beach. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. She, this isn't going to happen. It was verbatim. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's true. But then also a couple – I've skipped a couple times when she said something about like, you've really grown. I thought you'd never get rid of that zookeeper stuff. But here you are or like, you know what? You've got so much potential but the, really, zoo, the zoo thing? You really got to put that zookeeper job behind you. That job yeah. that I'm pretty sure you need to study like at some sort of veterinary school. To, <laughs> yeah, like, like there's one day when they're hanging out and – and he's and she's like, I want you to come to because she's a buyer for sex. That's what she's. She, yeah, that's her job. And so she's like, uh, I really want you to come to my fashion show tomorrow during the middle of the day. It's really important to me. And like any normal human being, he's like, Oh, I've got work at the zoo. And she gets really upset. And she's like, You and the zoo thing. I thought you were past it. It's like, It's a fucking job, lady. <laughs> like, I have to make money. <laughs> and, uh, and then- course, like that a woman hates, hates going out with a guy whose job allows her to see animals up close. Like, yeah. or, or that she's shocked that he has a day job that he has to go to <laughs> regularly. <laughs> So, long story short, he breaks up with her. He finds out Rosario Dawson has accepted the job in Africa, and she's going to the airport tonight. But she was also admitted to another coworker that she has feelings, ha- had, for, him. Has feelings for him. Yeah, which makes even less sense than Leslie Bibb having another <laughs> another another coworker played by Ken Jeong, who has to be in every comedy now that's made. Yeah, and he's like the party guy. Yeah. Wait, so. Tell me what else he was in. The Hangover, Hangover right? movies. He was the he was doctor. In, he's the doctor and knocked up. Okay, yeah, there. That, uh, he's in Community now. He's in Community. That's what I'm thinking of. And he's on well, Talk Soup often to promote Community. Mm-hmm. I, and by often, I mean his, the one episode of Talk Soup I've seen this year. <laughs> Joel McHale, uh, coworker Joel McHale. He was a real doctor. I, I think they're, they're this. good friends. I think. I, I mean, like to think that just all because good we're good friends and we work together doesn't mean everyone who works together is no, good friends. No, everyone in Hollywood is good friends. They're not actually. You they bought into the hype. You bought into the hype. It's terrible. They're all at no, they together. hate each other. They're all Me back. Me and Kirstie Alley are good friends. <laughs> Wait, what? We're both in Hollywood. I mean, I'm in, I'm in the you're, Hollywood You're in Hollywood scene, East. You know. <laughs> Hollywood East. You mean New York? <laughs> 
Hollywood East. We call it Hollywood East in the business. H-E or he. Very different from East Hollywood. We call it helium. (laughs) For short. So he's got to catch Rosario Dawson. It is beyond. Wait, I have to just clarify something because I'm afraid that there are people who actually pay attention to everything that's said in this podcast. Oh, nobody does that. Most people are driving or cooking or Or drunk. But you guys have people who who document on Wikipedia the things that you say. That's true. Well, I threw out a fact that I... I've heard somewhere, but I don't know if it's really true. Was that guy actually a doctor before? Kim Jong? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was a doctor. He okay. was Judd Apatow's doctor. Right. Okay. So I was right. So I mean, he, was, he was a stand-up at the same time, but yes, he was a doctor. Oh. Just like our buddy Zubin was yeah. a lawyer before getting into the comedy writing. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And he never shuts up about it. In the law, blah, 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 I mean, habeas corpus. Tell me about it. Ritz, am I right? Starry, starry. Now, let me. Dias. Let me. We'll get. We, later, maybe we can talk about how inconceivable it is that Kevin James did not realize that Rosario Dawson is attractive. That seems inconceivable to me, but we'll get to that. First of all. Let's flash they back. They rub dirt on her face, so she she looks like a vagrant. <laughs> they yeah. barely even, like, tie her hair. Like, usually in these movies, they give you glasses and tie her hair back. Mm-mm. Nothing. I mean, she has her hair tied back sometimes. Yeah, but it's extra long and flowing. Yes. <laughs> but they show, her, they show her all dressed up for the wedding, and he's like, what? Oh no, you're too beautiful. Yeah, it's like, I, I mean, never like, noticed. The worst, the worst you see her is in um, a uniform, and let you know. I don't want to. I don't want to, Hallie. I don't want to, you know, let you into the creepy male mind too much. You mean the creepy pervasoid one? Damn but you know, mind. a uniform is is a is a fetish object for a gentleman seeing a pretty attractive woman. Oh sure. Like, you know, it's not like you're not like, oh gross, oh uh, blue collar work or something. Like, you're like, oh okay, yeah, yeah, it's some sort of. Uh, regimented. You should know, Hallie. Dan is pervasoid number one and talks openly about his fetishes on the, in the podcast. I Look. heard Dan makes his wife dress up in a zookeeper's uniform. <laughs> <laughs> they have a they have a sex game called Feeding Time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take my temperature. It's called. But anyway, uh, oh, oh, I don't like that oh, <laughs> too much. And she serves him a pail of wet apples. <laughs> <laughs> She gives him a tire swing, <laughs> and she's like, hey, buddy, you like this? She shoots him with a trank dart <laughs> and then undresses him. She hits him with a stick that has a nail on the end, <laughs> which brings us to an important plot detail. Okay, let's explain. <laughs> I mentioned there was a gorilla living in a basement, and that later the and gorilla comes back. And we didn't even, we totally brushed over the fact that Donnie Wahlberg of New Kids on the Block <laughs> Is, is, in this. is the gorilla keeper. Yeah, I'll tell you. My first concert that I ever went to was New Kids on the Block. And my, how Donnie has fallen. Well, speaking, yeah. of my, speaking of my wife, you should talk to her. She was a big New Kids on the Block fan. One of, the, one of her proudest moments as a photo editor was meeting the New Kids. Is that another game you guys play? <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> new Kids on the Bed? Yeah. I switch out from each New Kid one by one. <laughs> I don't even know their name. What was there? Donnie, Sneezy, <laughs> yep, gorgeous, Donnie, gorgeous George, Gambit, Danny, <laughs> Professor X, Jordan, John, and Joey. Oh, Michael oh, Valentine it? Smith, mm-hmm. Bilbo Baggins, <laughs> <laughs> Eliezer Mordecai. Mm-hmm. What, I don't, what were their names? Buttercup. Donnie, Danny, Joey, Johnny, Jordan. Those are the most generic names. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not. They should at least be like. 
you know, Raven Dark Sword and like <laughs> Wolf Silver Blade. They were like thirteen when they started. Even the Shadow they Thief. Didn't, they didn't need a gimmick. The no. gimmick was they were kids, I guess. Yeah. yeah. New kids on a block, not just a block. Anyway, the block. Block. <laughs> let's wrap it up in a bow and just say that you know. Rosario Dawson and uh, oh, oh, the oh, gorilla. The gorilla is yeah. what we're talking about. There's a gorilla that lives in a basement. Why? Apparently, everyone thinks he attacked his keeper. Donnie. No, Donnie Wahlberg. It turns out has a stick with a nail on it. <laughs> a stick with a nail on it that he pokes <laughs> the animals with. The animals with. <laughs> it's, like, it's amazing. It's like that Simpsons episode. Like, I have a board with a nail on it. <laughs> and it's amazing how many parallels there are between this movie and rise and the much better rise of the planet of the apes in that there's and a mistreated this gorilla pre- this preceded it which means that everything in rise of the planet of the apes was informed by this that zookeeper that out. rise of the planet of the apes was actually a remake of zookeeper yeah there's a reimagining <laughs> of zookeeper and so uh kevin james gets the gorilla to open up they become friends the gorilla says tell me this is tgi fridays as good as it sounds and then one night I totally missed that also. I did not re- oh. understand why they were at TGF Friday. <laughs> Kevin James gives him a polo shirt the and says for some reason knows about TGI Fridays <laughs> and thinks that it sounds great. Yeah, do you think Donnie Wahlberg told him about He must TGI have Fridays? been talking about just eating blue. Yeah, he's like whacking him, whacking him yeah. with the board with the nail on it. And he's like, Oh, TGI Fridays is so great. I wish you could go there, but you can't. They got license plates on the walls. <laughs> you can get French fries. <laughs> and they go You're he- never gonna get you're never gonna experience that ape. And so as a way to get the gorilla yeah. <laughs> this is for people only, TGI people. <laughs> TGIFFP, that means thank God it's Friday for people only, TGIFFPO, and no gorillas, TGIFFPOANG. There was hope in the girl, and he was like, primates? And he was like, no, people! (laughs) (laughs) He thought there was a chance. (laughs) Uh, So, Kevin James, I guess to reward the gorilla for being a gorilla, like to get him out of his shell. By the way, the gorilla is voiced by Nick Nolte. Let's just say that. He puts him in an... Wait, okay. I I haven't even explained what happens. I just want to clarify for you guys that I was... Totally confusing uh, Nick Nolte while we were watching this movie with um, Gary, Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Oh, and I was do. like, oh, I can't believe he laid down this work. Yeah. Like, I can't believe. can't believe th- he held it together this- long enough to record. Wore that gorilla costume. I mean, this is, maybe this is a rich vein for him. He doesn't have to. He can show up in his pajamas <laughs> and just like go into the voice I mean, mood. that's fair for Nick Nolte also. <laughs> But now I realize it's yeah, Nick Nolte, Nolte. Okay. is also a shambling wreck of a man. Yeah, but he's, not so much as he's a living warning for every people sexiest man alive. Yeah. Bradley Cooper, watch out! You could still turn into Nick Nolte. Wait, was Nick Nolte a sexiest man alive? Oh yeah. Oh boy. Back Wait, around the time Prince of Tides came. That's out. That's what I was going to ask. Was he the one from Prince of Tides? Yeah. Okay. But that was when. Okay. Go ahead. I mean, that was when the apex of human beauty was Nick Nolte and Barbara Streisand. So. I feel like ever since I made the Joe Rogan comment <laughs> and you defended him, we're operating under the premise that like famous people listen to this show, and every time I'm about to insult someone, I'm like backing away from it. Like I was about to be like, oh, but that's when Barbara Streisand was a sex symbol, and then I was like, oh no, she probably listens. To what this if podcast. Babs hears this? Yeah. She'll never talk to me again. Babs is probably obsessed with the flop house. <laughs> she's she's been really updating the wiki a lot. <laughs> But anyway, so he dresses up the gorilla in an Izod yellow polo shirt, no pants. And that's all. Yeah, no pants. <laughs> and they, go, they go to – well, gorillas have those stumpy legs. He'd have to wear, like, shorts for a fat guy. They go to – Like a, Hulk shorts. 
They go to a TGI Fridays where he doesn't first even walk upright. First, they drive through town singing along to the Apple Bottom Jeans Boots with the oh, Fur song. The fur. Uh, and that, yeah. and Which the gorilla knows all the words to somehow. <laughs> yeah. Then, okay. And is a very good dancer. Yeah. They go to TGI Fridays. And yeah, and he he's still walking around like a gorilla. And but they he, they say, I'll, "We'll just tell everyone you're a guy in a suit. We came from a costume party. Everyone buys this this mm-hmm. amazingly realistic gorilla suit where the mouth moves and he has a tongue and everything." Uh, so then there's just They're like also not suspicious when he orders thirty oranges. <laughs> that's his, for his order dinner. is thirty oranges. <laughs> and then there's like a four minute montage of them just having a great time at TGI Fridays. Yeah. They're dancing with women because apparently this TGI Fridays has a dance floor. He's They're holding playing guitar. There's a guitar that they break over the bar at yeah. some point. They play pool, which I've also never seen in a TGI Fridays. And the like, gorilla holds up like eight of uh, the TGI Fridays waitresses with his using his gorilla strength. And then drops them mm-hmm. on the floor. And the last thing you see when they're at TJ Fridays is a woman slow dancing with the gorilla. And she goes, I'm so glad I met you. And Kevin James give the, gives the gorilla like a, yeah, way to go. Yeah, and the gorilla like, gives Kevin James a thumbs up. And it's just like, wait, Kevin James, aren't you disturbed by the implications <laughs> here? Like this woman, you know, maybe wants to take this gorilla home tonight. <laughs> It is like how far are you going to let this go? <laughs> but it's like it's the TGI Fridays you only see in TGI Fridays commercials, where it's like a bunch of people who just got off work like partying, as opposed to what you really see, which is like a bunch of people buying cheap ribs, yeah, you know, with their families. Some margaritas. Anywho, so I didn't mean to bring it down, but it's this bizarre little scene in the middle. It's almost that might be the moment when the movie gets super crazy. Yeah, and every scene after that is Kevin James being crazy. I think it was the Onion that that said this movie might be about a zookeeper who loses his mind and thinks animals are talking to him. But anyway, at the end, Rosario Dawson's going to go to the to the airport. They have to get to her. The gorilla and him, he at first jumps on the back of an ostrich to ride that to Rosario Dawson, but of course he crushes the ostrich and it, I guess, dies. But uh, <laughs> the uh, the gorilla goes with him. Well, we never saw that ostrich before in the movie, so it doesn't matter. We don't yeah, care about that yeah, ostrich. That ostrich character is from expendable. One... <laughs> that ostrich may have been a visitor at the zoo. He was just there to see the animals. Uh, the gorilla helps him get to Rosario Dawson by... First kayaking him to the bridge across, I think, the Charles River. No, they did uh, first driving him. Well, first they're driving in a van. First they decide they're driving in a van, <laughs> but but it somehow makes more sense that the gorilla will drive <laughs> the gorilla. than the person. <laughs> and he immediately crashes the van into a car. They switch places. They get to a traffic jam, and they're like, oh, no. So the gorilla hurls Kevin James <laughs> over a fence. Then they get into a kayak. They're swimming in the water. Then no, they're they- not swimming. Oh, they're, they mean they're kayaking they're in the water. Kayak- then uh, the gorilla climbs up the side of this bridge with Kevin James on his back. And again, it's just like Rise of the Planet of the Apes where the gorilla's going to be on a bridge. And you're like, no, gorilla, you're going to die. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to try and – you're going to take down a helicopter. But <laughs> It's going to be awesome. Trust me. But you shouldn't do it. Uh, but instead of stopping when they're climbing on the bridge, instead of stopping like at the level that the cars are where <laughs> Kevin James could very, very like safely and easily intercept the <laughs> traffic true. jam where Rosario Dawson is stuck in, they like climb to the top of the arc <laughs> as Kevin James is hanging on the gorilla's back and like the gorilla gives him a pep talk about like, just be yourself, and then makes him fall and then 50 shrugs feet him off. Yeah. <laughs> onto the taxi. Uh, and he says to Rosario Dawson, when eagles mate for life, this is a callback to something else, 
They blah, blah, blah. They cartwheel. And they kiss, and then the gorilla. No, they link claws. They link talons. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was what the blah, blah, blah was for. Okay. You said they kiss. Kevin James, Rosario Dawson kiss. Oh, okay. Did they kiss? They totally did. Yeah, I do think they kissed. That's okay. how you show you're in love with someone in a movie. The gorilla falls <laughs> and slams into and, a hood And in life, Elliot. I don't know what you do with your wife, but you... They just lock talons. In general, We lock talons kiss. and go into a death spiral. <laughs> okay. And then we pick up a vole or a field mouse and just <laughs> okay. eat that. Eventually and then you regurgitate we, the, the... pellet, yeah. Yeah, sure. With the fur and the bones. <laughs> and then, like, we donate that to a science class and they pick it apart. <laughs> So the go- you know romance, <laughs> you know you know love. The go- the gorilla drops onto the hood of the car. He's okay, I guess. And Rosario jo- Dawson and Kevin James are like, we should get him back to the zoo because Kevin James's very lax animal care policy <laughs> does not bother Rose- Doctor Rosario Dawson at all. And uh, I guess, and then they're at the zoo, and everyone's happy again, and that's it. The end. The end, and then over love conquers all. And then over the credits, the animals all sing along to "More Than a Feeling," <sighs> in was, maybe the worst thing ever. Well, the only part that was fun about it was when um, Cher had a measure because you know she can sing. It was funny to hear Cher sing. Oh yeah, Cher was one of the lions, also. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was the girl from uh, Star Wars. Yeah, we didn't go Carrie through. Fisher. I mean, like there were. I mean, we mentioned some of them, but big name uh, voice stars: Adam got, Sandler. Adam Sandler was a monkey. Sylvester got, Stallone. John Favreau was one of the bears. Uh, Judd Apatow as an elephant. Mm-hmm. Well, he sounded more like um, Maya Rudolph was a giraffe. Oh yeah, Maya Rudolph was a giraffe. It sounded like Maya Rudolph with a cold was yeah. a giraffe. Well, Sh- Maya Rudolph doing a terrible, out. terrible ethnic stereotype. I mean, to be fair, like Maya Rudolph is half black, isn't she? So, so it's okay that she's doing a terrible stereotype. I mean, yeah, and she gets her insurance from Aflac. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, she drives big, a half track. Big, 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 big star Jim Brewer was the crow. <laughs> he had about. Th- uh, well, how amazing would that have been if he was the crow, <laughs> like Brandon Lee the crow, resurrected? Uh, I mean the character, not. All right. And also, uh, I, and I guess Judd Apatow was doing like a Eugene Merman impression as the elephant. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing. It was, they were, it was terrible. <laughs> and the best, the best voice actor, as I said, was Sylvester Stallone, which. Sort of surprising, but I mean, I think that I, you know, like I thought I, Cher was a convincing lioness, but she had yeah. no emotion. She sounded dead. You know, yeah. it's like uh, that's ma, because ma, obviously, ma, ma. as a partner, Sylvester Stallone had failed her so much. All of her lines were about like all he did was sleep all day. Yeah, what a bad I think, husband. I mean, he I was. think the yeah. thing, like the reason that Sylvester Stallone was actually good, was he just approached it as any other role, where he's just like, okay, yeah, I'm a lion. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'll just play this part, whereas everyone else was just like, I'm going to do, like, irritating voices. They did very irritating voices. I but think I'd maybe also they s- thought they were being cartoon animals rather than real animals. <laughs> because that would have made much more sense, I feel like. I think also Sylvester Stallone, uh, I, uh, I mentioned this while we were watching the movie, like, has struggled with making his voice comprehensible. Like, he can't move his mouth entirely. So it's like... He is – everyone else is just like, I can talk like whatever. I'll just talk and do a crazy voice. Well, Sylvester Stallone, I think, when he talks, thinks about am I coherent? Like what am I getting across? You know, just speaking is a, is a triumph you know for him. what we should have watched? Oscar. Remember that movie? With <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's his big comedy hit. It. I loved that. <laughs> I think I saw that like three times in the theater. Okay, well, we got to – you were the only person who saw it at all in the theater maybe. <laughs> we got to wrap this up. We've actually been going long. Uh, oh. 
So we wrap it up with uh, Hallie. We we make our final judgments. Was this a good bad this movie? Scary, scarifyingly no, no, awesome. No, no, we're, we're stupidly at, scary. We're out of we're out of shocked over. Or scary dumb. No, no. Is this a good bad movie? A bad bad movie? Or a movie we actually kind of liked? Elliot, I'm going to go to you first. Oof, this is hard. You know what? It, really, this was a bad bad movie, but there are it was got it went so off the rails at times that I'm going to call it a movie I actually kind of liked. Not, I mean, it wasn't good. It was really bad, and I didn't enjoy it. But I did admire the fact that it made no sense. And if I feel like if this was a movie that was made in the '30s, I'd be more willing to overlook its faults and enjoy how ridic- how ridiculously nonsensical it is. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be very uh, generous with it. Yeah, I'm gonna go halfway between uh, good, bad, and movie I kind of liked because, like, the thing is, like. I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't recommend I would this not, movie. To no, anyone. God knows, I would no, not recommend don't it. And it. even though it's like a, it's a family movie, there's a lot of like it's not a good family movie. There's a ton of like sex jokes. There, it's, and... it's very confusing for children, and it might <laughs> encourage your child to jump into an animal's cage at the zoo. Yeah, and just start rapping with it. But there's, I mean, like there's weird stuff that I laughed at. Like I genuinely laughed. I mean, like Kevin James is doing his damnedest to make this work. And it's a weird movie where like he really tries to sell those crappy jokes. Yeah, and this is a movie about talking animals. That really wishes it was not about talking animals. Like they really don't play the talking animals. The last third of the movie has almost no talking animals in it, and that's when it gets really good. Yeah, yeah it's funniest when it's not about talking animals. Because then it's just, Kevin James should do a movie like where he is a crazy schizophrenic guy. Wasn't who, that the mall cop movie? No, that was uh, to serve and protect the other mall cop movie. Report. Observe and report. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I, the the Seth Rogen mall cop movie where he was like crazy. Oh. In Paul Blart, he was just clumsy. Oh. Hallie, what are you, where are you this going? This should have been called Paul Blart Zookeeper. I thought I didn't really enjoy it for much of the movie, but I did like when it got so weird that I was engaged because I was trying to understand what was going on. <laughs> and I liked that it had really famous people who were involved with it so that I could judge them. <laughs> you know, if it were a bunch of nobodies and it were a bad movie, that would be a waste of time. But when it's a bunch of successful people failing, that... Gives me some satisfaction. Makes you feel kind of good. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say it's, you know, I wouldn't recommend anyone seeing it, but it's like good, bad. It's like, don't go see this, but don't burn every print in existence. Right. Where we've seen movies It's like where... if Dan pays for it on pay-per-view, watch it. Um, <laughs> that but... is a very specific... I don't know. But don't offer to chip it. <laughs> Count on that. Um, so, and it looks great in HD. For some reason. So we're And I will say, Kevin James looking great these days. <laughs> he's really he's really slimmed down. He really has. We're running a little long, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do only a couple of letters. No. Sorry. Uh so this uh this first one says uh this one's from uh You're taking up time with your us. Sorry, Anthony J. Drexel Biddle. I know him. Just kidding, I don't know. <laughs> Last he, name he builds him, Well, he bills himself as the fightingest millionaire. Okay. So, uh, so he's rich. This, uh, this email is titled, Attention Bully E. And it says, Hey, Squirt. Yes, I mean you, Elliot Kalin. Whoa. It has come to my attention that you are suffering the ogreish attention of one John Hodgman. True. Now, I have been a long-time listener to your podcast, which is quite good, by the way. Pat yourselves on the back. Wait, not you, Dan, no you, nor you, Stuart. Why do I hold my withhold my proxy bat pats? 
because you have failed in your duty as friends and comrades to protect Elliot's person and honor. Were you not aware that in Middle Eastern culture, a blow from a person's shoes was the lowest of insults? Are you ignorant of the principle that in robbing Elliot of his Iron Man figures, Hodgman robs Kalen of his Iron Manhood? Uh, I see. This is a reference to... For uh, shame. John, in a recent AV Club interview, John Hodgman revealed to the world that he bullies me and uh, once threw his shoes at me, which is true, and stole Iron Man memorabilia off my desk, which is also true. I was there. I let him do it, remember? Yeah, this, you stepped by and stood, said nothing. First, Hodgman came for Elliot's stuff, and I said nothing. Then he came for Elliot, and I said nothing because I was not Elliot. Yeah. Then when he came for me and there was no one left. I don't think he'd be interested in coming for me. That's why I wasn't worried. <laughs> uh, yeah. He continues, since I see This the- was also, this is a, an interview about John Hodgman's new book, which is very funny, and... It opened with... That's the name of the book. Yes. <laughs> it, it was an interview about his book, which opened with two questions about a movie screening series I host and him bullying me. So yeah. Didn't make sense, but it was good. No, no, it was good. It was good uh, publicity for the Elliot Kalen brand. Yeah. Got to get it out there. Uh, but no, he continues. He says, since I see the infamous Monsieur Hodgman promenading on the Onion AV Club, even as Dan speaks, clearly you have not taken the necessary action to right these wrongs. Wrongs, nay, these injustices cry to the heavens for re <laughs> So it falls to me. I shall become the re <laughs> Frank Castle witnessed his family gunned down by mobsters. I also witnessed Frank Castle's family gunned <laughs> down by mobsters, at least thrice in various movies and comic book adaptations. Yeah, I've seen that a lot of times. So clearly my superheroic bona fides are watertight. Now it only falls to you, Mr. Kalen, to let your wishes be known. How shall the deed be done? Shall I second you in a duel? Play some harmless prank? Gun him down ruthlessly? No. Kneel behind him while you administer a sharp push from afore him? Better, but probably not. Administer the Hong Kong cocktail? <laughs> no. Please consider carefully, because my initial adventures will plot the course for all future readjustings. I await your instructions with anticipation. Your pal. So. Well, thank you very much, Fightinous Millionaire. At the moment, I'm going to have to ask you to stand down and not take action, but I will let you know when the time is right to reap our revenge on one Jonathan Hodgman. I appreciate your support. Um, and this, thank you for writing in. This is, uh, this is from John from Omaha. John Hodgman? Uh, no. It's titled – John, last name withheld. Uh, it's titled Overrated Directors. Does it ever annoy you when you see a movie you thought was all right, but critics overpraise it and or the director? I'm thinking yes. of Seinfeld's own Elaine Bennis going insane when she feels she's the only person who hated the English patient. A recent example, people comparing Jason Reitman to Billy Wilder after just three movies. Yeah, that's garbage. I don't think Jason Reitman is a horrible director. I thought Up in the Air was an okay addition to the white people with problems genre. Very mediocre. But would you really place it or his other two movies next to The Apartment? No. Do you guys have your own examples of directors of recent movies that don't merit the accolades heaped on them? Please don't select Paul Haggis or Dennis Dugan. They obviously deserve all the praise from <laughs> Kai, Kai Du Cinema. Thanks for the laughs. Dan, why don't you start off the answer on this one? Because <clears throat> I don't have one at the ready. Uh, Hallie, is there a director that you think is... Oh, I don't know anything about movies. <laughs> do you want to say something about horses you guys you have horses on your t-shirt that you're wearing um uh while we're thinking even... i'll come back to uh, elliot you feel the director's question i mean i feel like nowadays almost every director is overrated to a certain extent the the 
superlatives just get thrown around so easily when a commercial can just label someone who's made two American movies and like a crap load of Hong Kong movies as a visionary director. What or about like Clint, that? I, Clint Eastwood? Oh, I yeah. love Clint Eastwood, but I feel like I'm annoyed that every time he makes a movie, it has to be like the great mythic American movie. And, and they're not, they're usually fairly mediocre nowadays. Yeah. I think a lot of like up in the air, like Jason Reitman gets compared to Billy Wilder because they're just looking for something that some guy who made similar types of movies that were like comedies that had heart in them. But it's. I think you know they, it just doesn't match up in, co- in quality. The I think, but uh, this is kind of a disjointed answer. I mean, standards have fallen very far in terms of movie making in the United States and elsewhere. So people have kind of lost their ability to tell really great stuff from not the fact that uh, when Return of the King came out, there was a quote in the commercial, and commercial quotes are garbage anyway. They have the, this quote on the Descendants commercial now where it says an American masterpiece. It's like, like that's stupid. doesn't make, I hate when they put American before stuff like that, but the return of the King quote in the commercial said, never has a director aimed higher or achieved more. It's like, do you mean more just fucking guys running at each other with swords on the more screen orcs. at once? Like more orcs. Cause many directors have aimed higher and achieved more. Like yeah. Woody Allen never had any huge battle scenes in his movies, except for love and death, but he, aimed higher and achieved more than, you know, Peter Jackson, who I like a lot, did. You know, I feel like everybody gets hyped up too much these days. I feel like it's a it's a shame that he pulled Paul Haggis from the consideration because I feel like that's the ideal kind of... Except I think Paul... Ha- it's just very easy to, to criticize Paul Haggis. All right. Well, I mean, we've criticized Ridley Scott before, but I don't understand why he... Why he's considered like a master filmmaker? Yeah, he seems to I get mean, a free pass. He's been, he's been coasting on kind of his early science fiction movies for a long time yeah steven spielberg you think hallie's saying spielberg and you know she's, what she's whispering it so she doesn't get any recrimination you know what i'll back hallie up on this steven spielberg has made many great movies but he's also made many mediocre movies and we kind of have to pretend that every movie he comes out with is a beautiful poem to american what i don't know something and yeah. it's he's made a lot of movies that are not so amazing. I mean, I think and what has he made recently that's amazing? I mean, if we're talking about coasting on your really early successes, I, I at least feel like uh, my affinity to him is all based in nostalgia. Well, yeah. For thing, like, like, what can I see of his new movies that reminds me of his old movies? Well, War of the Worlds is really good. It's easier to pull out like, but that's not necessarily new. That's I think that I think I think that's that's the easier thing is like to pull out directors who were once uh, much better than they are, like. I have an affection for Robert Zemeckis based on, you know, uh, like Back to the Future, Back to the Future, Roger, uh, Rabbit. Roger Rabbit, Romancing the Stone, Used Cars. I think those are all like really good movies. Except no one says that his recent movies are any good. Just one of the guys. That's, That's not a Robert Zemeckis yeah. movie. <laughs> Didn't he direct? That? Great Bikini Off Road Adventure, <laughs> sure. Invisible Maniac. <laughs> uh, I would say when it comes to directors who are given too much praise, all of them. Yeah. I feel and it ruins them to a certain extent. I feel like a director like David Fincher gets a lot of praise he doesn't always deserve and it you know ru- it ruins him to a certain extent. I mean, I think that if anything uh becoming a professional writer is funny. it's that directors are not the be all and end all. Like uh there's so much collaboration that goes into anything. 
that uh, that gets broadcast. Yeah, you're always gonna have a point person, I guess. That's the thing that it bugs me when I go into movie into a bookstore and they have screenplays from movies and it has the name of the director on the screenplay, but not the writer. Like it'll be like stagecoach, the screenplay, John Ford. It's like, well, he didn't write that. Come on. Well, it's where it's interesting that like for for you can be a consumer of movies and have such a like anyone knows big name directors and i think like most people don't know the people who wrote the screenplay yeah uh it's not it's something that like you you seek out that information and you know it if you're passionate about it but it's not something that like is is like public knowledge it's not as part of the mainstream of a like an experience of a movie for the most part as like a director or you know, even a big, even the big producer is. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to say uh, overrated. Jason Reitman. That answer. And Judd Apatow. But Edgar Wright deserves everything he gets. So, this final email of the evening um, is from Jordan, last name withheld. Michael Jordan. And it says, Dan, I'm writing you this email as a warning to you even though it may cost me my life. You and Stuart need to find a way to escape the maniacal machinations of your co-host, Elliot Kalin. What? You no doubt are aware of Elliot's... Rejustinator. Get this guy. (laughs) You no doubt are aware of Elliot's Funny or Die video that he created in early October of this year entitled Help Help Make Elliot the Next Andy Rooney. Yes. As you may be aware, Mr. Rooney died over a month later. Clearly, Elliot's fevered desire to fill Andy Rooney's chair went unanswered for too long. And Elliot decided to take matters into his own hands, slaying the beloved TV icon in pursuit of his goal. My primary concern now is for Stuart's and your safety. I fear that Elliot will make demands on both of you someday, and if you are unwilling to comply, you will turn up deceased or missing. Possibly. Before you choose to dismiss me as crazy, ask yourself this. Elliot's new bride certainly had a beau prior to dating and then marrying Elliot. Does anyone know where he is now? (laughs) I of mean, course not. Women break up with guys all the time. <laughs> because Elliot vanished him as he stood in the way of his desires. And while I don't know this for sure, I would be willing to speculate that the person who used to hold Elliot's current job at The Daily Show may have vacated that position during, due to outside influences or pressures. Yes, that she went to get a job at Parks and Recreation. Namely, Elliot's <laughs> unending stream of subtle and overt threats. No. Whatever you for the new girl, very popular network show. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't read this email on the air while oh oh, <laughs> don't read this email on the air while Elliot is in the room, or else he may force his hand by exposing him for the cold-hearted Machiavellian monster he is, and he may lash out right there and then. Best of luck, Jordan. Last name with help. Okay, two things. One, yes, Andy Rooney died shortly after I requested his job. I think that's because Andy Rooney realized. There was someone else on Earth who could continue his legacy. He could pass on the torch and finally give up the ghost, literally. In uh, peace. Think in peace, died. exactly. <laughs> saying, good, there is another one, and I no longer have to shoulder this burden anymore. Please, God, release me. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. <laughs> and that's what he did. Secondly, don't you try a thing, Dan, okay. or I will destroy you. Okay. I wish you could see his face right now. Stuart's not here. I wish you could see it. He will have one week with his new bride. His eyes are and when that week is up, oh, God. my wedding present is a week of peace. <laughs> I should have said three weeks. That says how long the ghost of Frumacera gives uh, Seitel and uh, Laser Wolf in Fiddler on the Roof. All right. Anybody? Anybody? We need more Jewish co-hosts. 
So uh, we are running very late. Let's let's do a speed round of uh, just naming a movie that you saw recently that you would recommend, that you liked, you enjoyed, you thought was a good movie, uh, better, say, than Zookeeper. Ooh, that's going to be tough. Uh, let's, uh, better than Zookeeper? Do you have a movie, Hallie? Because if you don't, I can, I can go first. You go first. Uh, I watched uh, Red State recently. Uh, I'm not necessarily at this point, late date a Kevin Smith fan because I think that um, he's too good. He's gotten, I mean, he was always lazy and he's gotten lazier. Wait, the man who hosts, <laughs> who does public appearances in a bathrobe is too lazy? <laughs> but uh, Red State is actually, actually the uh, best directed, I think, of all of his movies. It's very interesting. Faint praise. No, but it does not feel like a, a Kevin Smith movie. It feels more like sort of like a lesser Quentin Tarantino genre exercise. Hmm. And uh, it's got a lot of great um, character actors in it. It's got Stephen Root. It's got uh, John Goodman. It's got Michael Parks. Uh, Michael Recreation. Melissa Leo. It's got a couple actors from um, uh, Breaking Bad, the one who plays Skyler, and the guy who plays Badger in it. Uh, it's it's It's... It's just a it's a it's a interesting movie. It gets a little preachy, uh, but it does things that you would not expect from it. And it's on Netflix Watch instantly, so I would recommend checking out Red State. I'm going to recommend a comedy from the 30s called Shh, The Octopus, which is a uh, it's about an hour long. It's super goofy. It stars, among other people, uh, Hugh Herbert, and I can't remember anyone else who's in it. But uh, it's really silly. It starts out kind of like a suspense thriller and there's a giant octopus and tentacles and an evil criminal and murders and things but much of the movie is Hugh Herbert being scared by things and reacting in silly ways and it's really funny and it has a re- there's a really one really great makeup effect at the end that you don't see coming and then it has one of the craziest endings of any movie I can imagine so shh the octopus uh, I think is out on DVD now so go find it Allie, do you don't have, you have if you don't have anything, maybe I mean I well, will I will permit you to recommend like a TV show or something else if you don't have a movie <laughs> off off the top of your head. But wow, that is so condescending. Yeah, come on, <laughs> just because she's a woman, she can't recommend a movie. Well, she's a recommend trick. Serious, serious, Allie. Though if you can, I've got lots I can recommend. It. That's no, okay. I'm trying to think if or I'm Dan remembering can. that there is one movie that I'd like to recommend that that I'm sure. Everybody it's called else. The Cutting Edge. It's about ice skating. <laughs> uh, no, but it's it is, is. It was probably made around that time. But I'm trying to remember if I remember the right name of it. I Just am one of the guys. E- no, I'm experiencing. Teen Witch. I want to recommend Baby's it Day Out. I because I saw. Okay, do you Monster guys remember Squad. what what is Dangerous Beauty? When I say Dangerous Beauty, is that the one about it's the about courtesan? courtesan? Okay, then that's the one I'm thinking. Are you sure of. nothing of Stealing Beauty, no, where Liv I'm Tyler loses her virginity in Tuscany? No, I'm thinking of Dangerous Beauty <laughs> because the other day I was walking to my subway stop and I happened to pass Rufus Sewell on the oh, way ooh, there. Dark City's Rufus Sewell and Dangerous Beauty's Rufus Sewell. Um, I had my wisdom teeth taken out when I was about 15 years old, and uh, one of the movies my mother rented for me was Dangerous Beauty. And I will tell you, if you have just had your wisdom teeth taken out, that is a very challenging uh, new movie. Okay. <laughs> so you're really recommending the experience of having your wisdom teeth pulled and then seeing Dangerous Beauty. That one guy is in it, Oliver Platt. 
<laughs> that's well, the one guy you're referring to. <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone's ever said that one guy, Oliver Take that Platt. to the bank, guys. <laughs> he might have been in movies one is respected, right? <laughs> he is, yeah, he's, he's a good actor. So he was in that. I mean, he was in Dan's favorite movie, Bullworth. He was in uh, sure. Catherine McCormick. <laughs> Dan's she other was, favorite she movie, was Lake in Placid. Braveheart. <laughs> she was in Braveheart and she died. She's the star of this. She gets to do a lot more. They showcase her a lot more. They don't kill her off. Right. Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, I mean, this is... I hate to cut this short, but this has been a lot of fun. I hate to cut this we, short. Longest episode ever. But uh, it's been great to have you, Hallie. Is Thanks there anything for, you'd like to promote, Hallie? You want to plug something before we go? You don't have um, to. We're all going out to dinner. No, don't plug that. <laughs> it's a private event. If I can plug uh, my next movie screening in New York at 92 I Tribeca is coming up on December 7th, okay. the, anniversary, the 70th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Uh, we're going to be showing The Scarlet Empress, the craziest of the Joseph von Sternberg-Marlena Dietrich collaborations. Uh, it's an, a really amazing looking and amazingly insane movie. And my guest that night will be comic book artist Michael Kupperman. You may know from Snake and Bacon's Cartoon Cabaret or Tales Designed to Thrizzle or his new book about Mark Twain that just came out. So that's December 7th on uh, at 7.30 p.m., 92 by Tribeca, The Scarlet Empress. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to say good night. Uh, Do you for... have anything you want to promote, Dan? I want to, I want to promote the end of this podcast. <laughs> Coming say, soon to a podcast you're listening to. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I will continue to be Elliot Kalin. I'm Hallie Haglin. Night, everyone. Baby, boo boo, <laughs> baba, bordello, baby, of blood, got bordello. back, goo goo, beep boop, beep boop bop, gaga goo goo, baby robot. I hope you're keeping all this. Yeah, this is gold. It was fun.